Welcome to the Why Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton. Now, my guest this week is a wonderfully self-deprecating serial entrepreneur. His name is Jamie Gourlay, and he spent most of his career in the art world, but more recently has focused his efforts on the non-fungible token NFT market. He's the founder of Verse, which is a marketplace for contemporary NFTs. Now, this industry is clearly in its infancy, but it's a fascinating one. And in this episode, we discuss how he started his career, his route to the NFT market, and specifically what the future holds for his business and the various use cases in the industry. Now, I want to do more of these. So if you work in the NFT space, then get in touch at yinvest at waverton.co.uk. And I've tried to keep the jargon to an absolute minimum so I hope you enjoyed this episode. But without further ado, this is the Why Invest podcast. Jamie Gourlay, welcome to the podcast. Jamie, how did you start your career? Well, thanks very much for having me. Um, I started my career, I was really into art at school, started off doing it at university, ended up changing degrees for economics, but kept um, kind of painting in my room in my spare time. And honestly, just had massive stroke of luck after massive stroke of luck to kind of find my way in the art world. I put some artworks into a charity exhibition in my second year of university. And my dad basically found out that I had one painting that I was submitted and it was like his and my mum's favorite piece. So they told me to remove it. It was already on the wall at that point. Couldn't get it out. So I ended up just like trebling the price and somehow it sold. <laughs> um, so I kind of took those proceeds and rented a pop-up space in London to do an exhibition of myself and a friends. And some guy just visited that show that we did and basically said, hey, I want to start a gallery. Will you go into business with me and I'll, I'll money up and you, you run it? And did you specialize back then? This is very much in the real world, so real world art. Um, did you specialize in any, any particular area? I wouldn't say I specialized in anything at all. And it took quite a while actually to figure out that the art world was even a thing. I didn't know what Freeze was. I didn't know what the good galleries were. Four or five years in, I actually then partnered with two different business partners after starting off with that guy. They're two of the best salespeople I've ever met. Where do you think the skill set in selling art is? Is it in network? Do you think it's being able to spin a yarn? Do you think it's being able to match the right piece of artwork with the right customer? What, in your view, you know, makes a good art dealer? I mean, it sounds bad, but the first three years of us kind of running this gallery, we were trying to sell artworks to people looking for beautiful artwork and the chance of finding the perfect piece that both husband and wife absolutely adore that has the right dimensions for above a fireplace or whatever. I mean, like, it's it's really, really hard to find that perfect piece. But as soon as we figured out that actually, <laughs> if you can find a Warhol that is 25% cheaper than one that sold fairly recently that's pretty similar, it's not that hard as a deal. That to me sounds more like a sort of relative value argument. So, you know, you find one piece of art that is selling at a discount and sort of, set that case out to the customer. Is that a fair fair assessment? Of the yeah, process? and it's a matter of setting out the fact that they have access to an opportunity that no one else does. There's this term like a burnt piece. If something's been seen by the entire industry, it suggests that no one wants it and it's not worth what the asking price is. The reason the art world is so murky is because, you know, if you're a seller and you've got a really valuable Picasso, 
the fact that no one knows that it's for sale genuinely makes the thing more valuable because if you're pitching a buyer and it's like, look, no one knows about this. They're thinking of sending it to auction soon. They need money really soon. There's an opportunity here, swoop in. If that buyer knows that no one else has seen it, it might be a good deal. If, if that buyer knows that 15 people have passed on this, it probably isn't. Um, I want to get on to verse, but before I do, I want to pause on a moment in your career where you founded Views. And I wonder what Views does and you know the value proposition there. So actually, Previews, which is this image management app, I started a shipping company called Queens and just really enjoyed the feeling of building something that had the ability to scale. I've been interested in tech for a long time. Must have watched the social network about 15 times and <laughs> always found it really kind of exciting and energizing and always wanted to kind of give the tech product thing a go. As a dealer, I'd seen auction houses take huge fees, dealers take massive fees. And all they're really doing is brokering information. They know who the buyer is, they know who the seller is, and buyer and seller, they know each other. So we set out to essentially build a mobile app that allows people to upload their art inventory to it. The aim was to build up a database of where everything is. We then also had a feature where people could kind of like input things that they're looking for. And ultimately, we we hoped to be able to kind of help pair deals and help people kind of find things that they were looking for without needing to go through a a middleman. And both Queens and Views are still in existence. Yeah, they're still running. They're still businesses. Yeah, so Queens is four years old. My co-founder is pretty much running that on his own now. He's doing an awesome job of it. And Views is still running. Um, Okay. Let's move on then to Verse. And Verse, as I have learned to understand through the research I've done, is a marketplace for contemporary art NFTs. But I want to start, if I can, with the basics. What is your definition of an art NFT? Well, I'd say an NFT is a digital thing. It's just something that exists on, on the blockchain. So NFT, non-fungible token. How does one then even start to value an art NFT? I think it's a lot more similar to traditional art than a lot of people realize. It's pretty much the same thing. I mean, you've got a Gursky photograph, mm-hmm. stuff, huge amounts of money, and it's very, very easy to replicate it because it comes with that authenticity certificate. You know, it's real. It's so the of... NFT bit is the authenticity part. So, you know, without yeah. the NFT, you've just got a JPEG. Yeah? You've just got a picture on the screen. Exactly. It's like an authenticity certificate, but it's better because you can't lose it. It's on Ethereum or whatever blockchain you're using. And you can't argue with the provenance. I mean, if it says that you own it on Ethereum, you own it it's pretty easy to fake an authenticity certificate. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you can either own a Gursky photograph, which is like a printout of a digital file, or you can own the digital file itself. If anything, I think it's more authentic in some ways. And um, tell me about the growth of the market. Do you have any idea or a sense of, of how the market's grown over the last five years? And you know, who's driving the growth at the moment? Is it is it supply-led? You know, are these artists actually getting in and you know, creating NFTs to meet the demand, or is it demand-led? You know, are the is the market saying, hey, look, this is what we want? I mean, the market's crashed recently. It kind of rises and falls in line with crypto, which is down a fair bit from its previous high. So, I mean, NFTs got going in 2019, 2020, and they've kind of gone from nothing to a 40 billion total market value at a high, which is, I don't know, 65, 70% of the value of the total art market. Granted, not all of those NFTs are, are art NFTs. 
it's kind of hard identifying what an art NFT actually is, because I, I don't know if you're familiar with Bored Apes. Most people would say that they're collectibles. Some people would say they're artworks. The art world definitely wouldn't say that they're artworks. That's a good point. Just to focus on the the sort of correlation between the broader sort of crypto markets. And I think you said just before we started recording, you're not a crypto expert at all. And, you know, that's not necessarily your thing. But I suppose there has to be some correlation because they are denominated. The underlying denomination is a cryptocurrency, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if major NFTs are going to be denominated in, in crypto forever. I think when the masses do start to get into NFTs, it's likely that some will be become denominated in dollars. But yeah, to your question earlier, the market is generally driven by traders. NFTs are kind of crypto with pictures. It's very hard to compare art NFTs with physical artwork. I mean, this is not going to sound great, but I almost more think of them as like football stickers i love football sticker collecting like the last world cup that came around i was obsessively like buying those panini stickers and you, you don't look at them like you put them in the book and it's kind of satisfying that you know that you've got whichever player but yeah like collecting an NFT, it's more that kind of experience like there's something exciting about getting it out of the pack it's like it's more of a game than art collecting and being able to like trade these trading cards it's just really fun so let's then introduce verse and you know the problem that you're trying to solve i mean do you have a sort of mission statements or something that you feel that sort of you can bring to the art nft world that sort of no one else is doing part of the problem is what i've just said it's kind of crypto with pictures and most people in the space are crypto traders who like art but maybe haven't had that much exposure to a lot of art world art and the art world are just kind of like looking in and seeing these like shiny gimmicky kind of tacky pictures thinking like what the hell is this this is so clearly not for me because it's very obvious that these people don't necessarily know their stuff and so it's really really difficult for top artists to get involved without being labeled sellouts so we're trying to kind of make it easier which artists do you think are leading the charge on this? Who's kind of ahead of the curve? I know Damien Hurst has, has famously published some of his artworks on a, yeah. an NFT form. I mean, is there anyone else who's who's kind of doing it well? Hurst can do whatever he likes. He's kind of bigger than galleries. He's, <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't need to play by any art world rules. I mean, there are, there are loads of NFT artists who are genuinely great artists who are doing amazingly but they generally don't have art world backgrounds and the art world haven't heard of these people. And so it's kind of strange for the art world looking at these people making absolute fortunes when you know they haven't been able to get into galleries. It's really strange. But yeah, that kind of like speaks to what we're trying to do. We're trying to kind of make it easier for art world galleries and artists to get into the space by, I guess, almost kind of creating a, a safer environment. I suppose it's the same with, you know, a curating a good gallery. It's the same sort of filtration system and, and putting good things together. I wonder, though, if you can turn, and maybe another way of looking at this is utility. Now, if I buy a nice piece of art, I can put it on my wall, I can look at it and enjoy it. And, you know, maybe if I'm feeling particularly shallow, I can invite my friends over and show them how brilliant it is as well. How does it work in the NFT world? What's the sort of utility? Where does it sit? I mean, is this JPEG going to sit on my computer forever? Well, it's much easier to flex in the NFT world than it is in the art world because I I mean, I don't know how many people you have coming around your house every week, but anyone can have a look at what's in your wallet whenever. So yeah, flexing in the NFT world is very much a thing. You may have seen kind of CryptoPunks as 
profile pictures, um, Twitter profile pictures. I mean, that's that's basically saying look, I'm part of this club. I'm absolutely muted. <laughs> I'm someone in this space. It's also really social. I mean, there are huge kind of collector communities. There are a lot of really passionate collectors um, who are kind of always discussing new things that think look cool, um, potentially good deals, good opportunities. So it sounds to me as though the business is kind of focused more or get more to the the artist rather than the collector. I mean, what does your ideal collector look like? Are you trying to target anyone in particular? What is in your mind's eye? Do you have a sort of target audience, as it were? Or are you kind of, you kind of just let the network do that for yourself? Your job is to curate and make sure that whatever you're showing on your website is high quality. At the moment, we have mainly kind of NFT slash crypto collectors. We don't really have many, if any, art collectors. Ultimately, it is so fun. It's kind of like a game. And we're trying to kind of make NFTs more accessible to normal non-crypto people. I mean, there are so many kind of barriers. Generally, it's hard to buy an NFT without a, a crypto wallet. Most people don't know what a crypto wallet is or how to use it. You know, you can pay with Apple Pay, pay with credit card on, on Verse. If they don't have a crypto wallet, where would the NFT sit? It presumably has to sit in there. Would it sit in your crypto wallet? So yeah, we, we use a kind of third-party provider to essentially store NFTs. There is a lot that can go wrong if you're not familiar with how these things work. So yeah, we essentially kind of stalled on users' behalves. If they want to withdraw to their own private wallets, they can. We're kind of a custodian for people who just don't want to take on that responsibility. And how do you see the market sort of developing? I mean, if you had to take your crystal ball out and think, you know, where are we going to be in five years' time? And, you know, if we're in five years' time, looking back at this conversation, what do you think we would be saying? Would we be saying, oh, God, we were so naive, you know, the addressable market was way bigger than we actually thought back then. And, you know, we completely underestimated it. Or are we going to be thinking, crikey, that was a fad? I'm obviously incredibly optimistic about it. I don't see really any reason why NFT prices won't match physical art prices at some point in the future. Um, I mean, a Warhol sold for 200 million the other day. I don't see why a top NFT wouldn't sell for 200 million at some point. I mean, ultimately, that Warhol Marilyn that did sell, I mean, that's a kind of an absolute icon of its time. I mean, that, that image has been shared endlessly and it's obviously now incredibly famous. At some point, an NFT will become totally iconic. Everyone will recognize the image. And how cool would it be to own the original digital file of that thing? I don't really see why having a physical version of something will be perceived as kind of making it more valuable going forwards. If anything, not having the physical version may be more valuable because the image that everyone is familiar with, like say it's a CryptoPunk. I mean, you can have an image on your computer. We'll have seen it all over the internet. Someone's going to own the actual the actual thing of that, not a reproduction of it, not a photo of it, like the actual original image. I just don't see why NFT values won't end up at least mm. matching art values. And I'm pretty confident the market cap of NFTs generally will massively exceed the total value of, of art. I mean, the total value of art in the world, I think, is around 1.7 to 1.9 trillion. And yeah, there are loads of limitations on art. It's incredibly illiquid. It trades down because it's so illiquid. Like if art was perfectly illiquid, it would definitely kind of, mm. the total value of art would be higher, clearly. Well, that's a good point to focus on. I mean, are NFTs more liquid by virtue of the fact that they're easier to buy and sell? A million percent. 
and also because of the whole kind of culture around around the space. I mean, everything is so transparent, meaning you don't need to pay a deed or an auction house 20% to find you something. So you don't need something to appreciate 20% before you find yourself breaking even. You only need the asset to appreciate the very small percent that the platform is going to charge to resell it. And what at the moment does your competition look like? Who else is is operating in, in this space? And is there is anyone making kind of headway? Um, because, you know, you are a new company, you know, you were founded earlier this year. But I wonder if anyone's kind of the go-to person. Um, I wouldn't say that there's a go-to person at the moment. There are loads of great companies doing art NFTs. Um, Artblocks are kind of probably doing the best at the moment. Um, but in terms of art world NFTs, there are a small handful of platforms doing it. But yeah, we're kind of waiting for, for someone mm-hmm. to emerge as a leader. But art blocks are uh, doing some awesome stuff. They're a generative art platform. A place where artists can go to get their art minted. So in other words, get their art put on the blockchain. Yeah, but it's art blocks is for generative artists only. So it's basically for artist coders who have written algorithms. It's the tool that allows a collector to hit mint. They then receive an artwork that is created mm-hmm. there and then. I wonder if we can turn to some of the exhibitions, your current exhibitions, on Verse at the moment. And I pulled up Jason Gringler. He has some pretty funky pieces of art. I wonder if you can explain you know, what they are and who the sort of buyers of said art is. Yeah, so I was interested to kind of work with Jason because there are so many artists kind of creating NFTs for the sake of creating NFTs. And Jason's just not that. Um, I mean, he, we've got these these video works on the platform that he made in 2016. So no one can accuse him of um, jumping on the bandwagon with them. Yes. And they're kind of just like studio discards. I mean, he like he's a very physical artist. Like materials are a big part of his work. And all of these videos he just kind of created at the end of the day in the studio when he was maybe kind of frustrated that things hadn't gone to plan. There's lots of him like smashing a neon light and smashing a mirror and just recording them. I mean, they weren't even really necessarily intended as pieces, but there's something kind of cool and captivating about them. I'm particularly captivated by the fire. And I'd urge any of our listeners to go to verse.works and click on uh, Jason Gringler. Because it is, I mean, it is, you can put it up on your screen and it is pretty mesmerizing sort of looking Mm. at it. But what I find, I suppose, difficult is to... Yeah, how one gets to the $1,107 price point. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could kind of say the same for any given artist's physical pieces, though. I mean, if you Google Jason's other works, I mean, it it sells for a lot of money. And you can tell that it's the same artist. They're like physical versions of this. But what's interesting about this, again, looking at this is a good example. He's got naught of five remaining. So in other words, he sold all five. Yeah. yeah. And so if I really wanted to buy this, how would I do it? Is there a way I can go to work out who the seller might be? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you can click into the piece and then you can, if you scroll down a bit, you can make a global offer. And that essentially just lets you kind of like put an offer out there to everyone. This is maybe not the best illustration of like a liquid market as it were. Whereas if you if you kind of go to we did an exhibition by this artist Quibibi, which is on our exhibition page. And the top artwork there, I mean there are 177 holders of this edition. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few listed for sale. So you can kind of like pick one up at 
the floor, i.e. the bottom price, or you can kind of make everyone an offer. Um, the chance of getting a good deal on a very small edition is slim, unless someone is really keen to sell. But on a bigger edition, you've got much more chance of, of getting, a, yeah. getting a deal. But the way to buy, the way to get a get a deal is to be there at the, at the beginning. So again, going back to this Quibibius, I mean, it was so exciting. This artist is big on Twitter, has a really big following. And we announced this exhibition a few weeks ago. There was one piece here that is an edition of 11. And I think the whole like Twitterverse kind of clocked fairly quickly that there was massive demand for this artist. Um, and people kind of figured out, okay, there are 11 of these things. There are maybe 100 people looking at it. This is undervalued. We really need to get in on this thing. And this sale opened at 6 p.m. on a Thursday. And this artwork sold out literally in the first second. I mean, we had people who clicked in second two who, who missed out on it. Um, no that one instantly went to the secondary market. This edition of 11 sold for $500. And then four days later, one sold for $1,700. And minutes later, they were selling for $1,200. Your business at the moment is, is growing. And I know that you said that you have 12 in London. What does the future hold? Where's the sort of pinch point of the business? If you were to say to raise money tomorrow to expand your business, what would you be doing to do so? Is it a marketing thing? Is it a, an investment in technology? Where would you allocate capital if you could at the moment? NFTs are kind of crypto with pictures. And there are going to be some big cap NFTs. There are some that already exist. But some of the world's best artists are going to do NFTs and they're going to be huge. And so we hope to be the platform on which those trade on the secondary markets because I think the NFTs can be much bigger than the art world. And part of that is because you can have 2,000 NFTs and still have an appetite to keep going. Like it doesn't make sense to have 2,000 artworks unless you're okay with paying huge amounts of storage. So yeah, the secondary market for these things is going to be enormous. And we want to be the platform that takes 2.5% on every single trade on the secondary market because they sell really frequently. I mean, NFTs trade hands once every 30 days. Physical artworks trade hands once every 10 years or so. So yeah, the big business here is, is being that secondary market. Well, I suppose it's an exciting proposition. I wonder though, for my final question, I would ask you, know, if you were giving advice to yourself when you first started, or to any of our listeners who are trying to make it in the digital art world, what advice would you give to them? What sort of do they need to equip themselves with? And I'm going to see if I can veer you away from saying luck. Uh, definitely not luck. Not luck at all. Get on Twitter, follow everyone, figure out how it works, jump into Artblocks Discord, jump into a load of other Discords, start on a chain that's not Ethereum if you want to do NFT art. It's really fascinating because to do well, you need people with a vested interest in your market. And the way to do that is to sell your things really cheap and give people a reason to promote you. So a lot of artists will start on a blockchain called Tezos that lets you sell your works for you know $10 or less. And if you can just get a load of stuff out there, get a load of people buying your things because they think, well, this might go somewhere, why not? If your stuff's good, then it's probably a matter of time before someone relatively influential picks one up, mm. tweets about it, and word starts to spread. It's almost like those early collectors are a kind of buying equity in you as an artist or a project. They have a reason to really promote you. And so the more people you can kind of like give access to your market, the better. I mean, we've been really struggling with art world artists who want to start off selling things for 10 grand because that's what they fell for in the art world. 
they're never going to be able to build a community with those kinds of numbers. And, and you need a community to get going. You need people tweeting about it, telling their friends about it. So I think my advice would be start on a on a chain like like Tezos, build up slow work for an affordable amount, build up some followers. And the beauty of starting with Tezos is that you won't be kind of flooding your market because you can then just graduate to Ethereum when you feel you're ready. And for some reason, they work in different ways. You see artists with things selling for $20 on Tezos and thousands on Ethereum. It kind of doesn't make sense, but it does work. Jamie Gourley, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Why Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton, and our guest this week, Jamie Gourley. If you've enjoyed this episode, or indeed the series, why not like us, subscribe to us, and let your friends and colleagues know. The information provided during this podcast does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or an offer to sell a security.